What's up, everybody? You're listening to Hey Man, the advice podcast for men. I'm Sam Graham Felson. I'm Avi Klein. I'm a novelist. Avi's a therapist. And we're here to answer your questions and hopefully get a few of our own answered as well. This week, we are replaying one of our earliest episodes. It's with our friend Andrew Morantz. He's a staff writer from The New Yorker and the author of the nonfiction book Antisocial, which is just out in bookstores this week. It's a great book. Uh, that chronicles Andrew's experiences spending three years hanging out with online trolls, alt-right maniacs, misogynists, basically the worst of what America has to offer, um, and uh, doing it with uh, with 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 a a good sense of humor, um, but also a sense of horror. Um, and it's a great book that explains where we are um, and how we got here. So, hope you enjoy the conversation. I, last time I saw you bringing. Um, chopped into the office so and andrew and i also full disclosure i know this week's guest mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh we we are friends we work in the same uh office space and uh <clears throat> i've seen him bringing in chopped i am i am a patriot of uh sweet green Absolutely. as you know me too but it's andrew completely... hates sweet green so but you were going to tell me you you have like a whole thesis on this but i mean me how long version. is this podcast like how <laughs> <laughs> like if you want to throw down we can throw down <laughs> i have my allegiance to Chopped is like edging into, I mean, you can tell me as a therapist, but I think it's edging into like problem behavior. It's wow. like, it's like when they do the addiction cross, you know, checklist of like, are you alienating your friends? Are you like changing your personal habits? Like when I open my phone to the map, to the maps yeah. app, it's like, okay, the nearest Chopped is this. I don't even have to ask it. A lot of it comes down to the crispness of the lettuce, which like, if you go to a just salad, you are dealing with soggy bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Like you're not even in the realm of crit like the the baseline is is there a crunch to this? Like when you're dealing with just salad or what are the other I can't even remember the other bullshit ones, you like it's like soggy cereal. It's like why am I even doing this? Right. Sweet green I will grant you at least has decent lettuce. It doesn't last as long because I have done the thing where I put like buy a salad and like save it for dinner. Uh-huh. Sweet green has like very perishable, which maybe is like speaks well to their it's lack of preservatives. Yeah. yeah. But like doesn't help me in my life. Yeah. I also find that chopped is consistently like I think their branding is off. I think their branding makes them look like they're like they like should a be deli salad. exactly. Yeah. And they make like the there's something about the signage that makes it look like it should be in a strip mall somewhere. It makes yeah. it look unappealing. But the actual quality of the ingredients, like sweet cream is always trying to do like we have basil and we have like Thai shrimp, whatever. Total sucker for that. Yeah. I'm I don't the it. thing I hate about sweet green. I don't even it, eat any of that stuff. And I'm like, but I want to eat it. <laughs> yeah, I want to be associated with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hate how sweet green like tries to act like um it's a mini version of Burning Man when you go into the fucking <laughs> totally. place. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm getting lunch. <laughs> well, that's the They're thing. They're like, free your soul every time you're like, <laughs> you know. Um, so that branding annoys me, but <clears throat> what I like about it, which leads me to my next question for you, I I like the fact that um, there's actually high calorie count in yeah. these things because they always add grains and like, you know, um, I I'm I'm a pescatarian, so it's hard for me to get protein and like Dude. I like the fact that there's mad quinoa up in there. Uh, this is just three soy boys <laughs> talking about salad <laughs> to kick off this yes. podcast. I wonder when it's going to become oat boys because that's really the new <laughs> that's really the new milk. I actually one of the things about my book is that there are people in my book calling me soy boy, and I'm like that's one of the most dated things about the book. By the time it comes out, is it? That's not cool. That's no way. That's well, because cool. I mean. 
meme culture just yeah. evolves so fast. Yeah. It's like you're a soy boy if you say soy boy now. I really do love that phrase. <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's great, but isn't it? Isn't it? Um, now that even like people who are behind the curve, like us, uh, who still use soy boy, ironically, of yeah. course, uh, uh, isn't it? Um, now cooler to just say that soy rather than to say soy boy. <laughs> That's you just so say soy. soy. Yeah. That's soy raven. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I tr- I, tr- I went through a phase of trying to like reappropriate these things ironically, and now I'm just like, yeah. it's better to just just be just a person. Stay out yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. So you talk about this a little bit in your book. You just glancingly mentioned this, but um, you were sort of like, uh, you were a contrarian, but you were also like sort of, were you a punk kid? In, or you were a little yeah. bit. I went through phases. In yeah. high school. So yeah. like, what were the, like, like give an example of the kind of uh, style you I mean, it basically was like all the empty signifiers of rebellion without actually knowing what you were rebelling for or against. So I like went through a phase where I would wear like, black nail polish and like um thrift store blazers in this kind of like kind of punk ish kind of but weird like nerd punk you know uh, like before yeah, that was really yeah. a thing yeah yeah kind of proto <laughs> weezer like pro like with kind of buddy holly glasses mm-hmm. i was trying to figure it out on my own and i was not good at it and i wasn't it was i wasn't like savvy about it i wasn't like reading sassy magazine to like figure out how to do it i was just like blundering through and i'm not something inside you telling yes you to, just telling me like basically the contrarian thing basically like if the dominant thing in my preppy ass connecticut surroundings is to like whatever the brand is what like it was abercrombie at right. one point it was like there were like i remember there was a certain kind of vans that were cool at one point Vans could have fit with my thing, mm-hmm. but that couldn't be my thing because that was everyone else's thing. Or like Airwalk, remember Airwalks? Yeah. Like <clears throat> that, whatever the thing was, I was just going to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually my mom made a great point in in one of those phases where I was like growing my hair out and it looked terrible because mm-hmm. I didn't get that you couldn't just look like Sean from Boy Meets World if you were like a Jew with like kinky <laughs> hair. So I was just like, when is it going to look cool? And she a was like, this is resonating with me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, nobody again, like none it's of It's crazy s- how many dudes of our generation, like secretly, like shamefully watched and were obsessed with boy meets world. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I really want to be Sean and I'm yeah, just yeah, Corey. Totally, totally, I like, totally. I'm just going to be Corey. That's my lot in I life. Really I should just Sean embrace too. it. Yeah. I, the, I mean, what actually, I, it actually helped me to see, um, Brian Krakow on on uh, my so-called life because that was I was like mm-hmm. okay I'm that guy and that's just I just have to <laughs> he own was the up guy to with it. the curly hair. he was the yeah, shy yeah, neighbor yeah. Yeah. yeah but um but my mom at one point said you know you're trying to put across this whole thing about you don't give a shit but you were like being very obvious about how much you give a shit like your whole look is not communicating I'm over it your look is is communicating I'm trying really hard how did that yeah. go over with a teen to your teenage brain i had no comeback yeah. i was just like um let me think about that okay. and then i just like <laughs> never formed a rebuttal <laughs> so that kind of broke okay. me out of my phases so spending all of this time with um people for example like mike cernovich he's one of the key characters in your book uh um I want to just focus on, I mean, the, the, a lot of these guys are obsessed with, um, race, uh, with Jews, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, the, the alt light <clears throat> guys that you focus on, particularly Cernovich seem more obsessed with gender dynamics, gender relations more than anything. Mm-hmm. And they seem, it, it, it's almost like they're less misogynistic than they are, um, uh, 
uh, misanthropic towards soy boys, right? <laughs> like they hate <clears throat> they hate soft men, right? And um, well, can you just like articulate for us what what like the gorilla mindset worldview is like towards <laughs> like how what's wrong with manhood right now in these guys view and like what's the solution what's their yeah. Solution? yeah it's a good question i mean i don't know what their diagnosis is exactly because they go back and forth on it i definitely think there's a lot of misogyny there and i do think there's a fair amount of like misanthropy and like maybe even like self-hate or whatever i mean i'm not a i'm not a psychologist and even if i were i am not qualified to <laughs> You know, but I I don't think I don't think even they know what's going on exactly. But um, yeah, I think it's like I guess if I had to guess, it's like we used to know that, you know, gender roles were meaningful and that like a man was supposed to be like the Marlboro man and, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm like making it hokier than they would. But I think the underlying assumption is like. It was really clear what a man should yeah, be. Yeah, it was yeah. clear what a man should be. It was clear that there were only two genders and that they should act like their gender stereotypes and they should, you know, um, and that we're just confusing ourselves with all this other stuff. Like, we're confusing. I mean, we are uh, emasculating ourselves. We're, like, making... We're, we're, we're working against nature in some fundamental way. I mean... Gavin McInnes went on Fox News and told a woman on the panel, like, you would be happier if you were a housewife. He, again, claimed refuge in, I'm just a comedian, I'm just messing around. But I think he was serious. I think he thinks that if we stopped working against nature and worked just to, like, perfect ourselves according to these gender archetypes, like, our, you know, forefathers and, well, they would say forefathers, like knew what they were talking about when right. they and in, in in its essence it's just a it's like a basic conservative thing like let's stop moving away from like we had it right before and they're also kind of obsessed with like evolutionary biology and like fight or flight and you know it, yeah like for you know whatever hundred tens of thousands of years we were hunter gatherers and like men had the role of hunting and you know um and this is hardwired into us and like by fighting against it, this is like a one of Jordan Peterson's key arguments. Like by fighting against our like hardwired, um, uh, just like impulses as men, we like get all of this weird repression that like creates like horrible confusion and neuroses and, and like, suicide and, and all so, these things. Right. I mean, the things, and and like mass murders, yes, right? Right. Um, and I think so. I think one thing that like left critics of these people often discount is that their critiques are coming from somewhere and they're meaningful. And this isn't to say that they are well-founded. It's just to say, like, you hear people say things like, well, it's just based on hatred and fear and ignorance. And, like, of course, all those things are in the mix, but I don't think that these stances are reducible to hate and fear and ignorance. I think there's... There's, like, something before that. There's something before that, and also there's something that, like, isn't a pure just like emotional aversion reaction. I mean, emotions obviously are super important, but there are things, <laughs> there are things that are more easily explained by these simplistic explanations than by the more complicated explanations that just happen to be true. So like taking race and gender as examples, you can explain a lot about the world by resorting to really simplistic ideas about gender and race that actually make you have 
a more simple Occam's razor sounding solution. The only problem with it is that it's not true. But if you d- if you take that out of it, like of course, like there's all these things that we're struggling to understand. Like why do we have a rise in depression and autism? I mean, a million things that you look out into the world and go like, why are white lifespans declining at a time of economic bounty? Why are like why is the opiate crisis like all these things that are very hard to understand? Yeah. And if you just go, oh, it's because we're working against our nature. That's right. a very tempting explanation. And to to debunk it, you have to get into the weeds of like all kinds of social science and stuff that mm-hmm. like that stuff. I don't is, want to hear that. Yeah, it's hard to <laughs> read. It's confusing. I mean, Jordan Peterson gets around that by not really reading it very carefully. But well, he he's he's like focusing on dragons and like Hobbit myths rather. Mm-hmm. But I will say like so I I read. Um, uh, well, I didn't read every word because at a certain point I got exasperated, but I read um, a lot of uh, 12 Rules for Life. What's mm-hmm. it called? Yeah. His newest book, right? Yeah. And I will say, like, when I picked that up, first of all, I was go- I was actually going through, like, a difficult time where, like, it was actually a period where I had abandoned a novel that I was working on. I was suffering from writer's block. I was feeling, like, <clears throat> I-, I had, like, stopped like i i I had a kid and i had like stopped working out and i was like getting flabby again and like you know i was drinking too much and i just say like i read like the very first chapter it's like horribly cornily written but it's about these lobsters like you've read this right and it's about these lobsters and it's about how like there's like like a lobster that hunches his back is gonna like get like destroyed by other lobsters who are going to like see it as a, like an, an effeminate lobster or whatever. And he's not going to get any lobster tail. <laughs> just kidding. Um, you know, and he's going to just basically that's yours, like, right? Not and, his. Yes. That was my, <laughs> was my line. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, but basically, um, I just, but, but yeah. he gives the, the, the simple, like the advice, every chapter has one kind of core piece of advice. The advice in that chapter is basically like, keep your shoulders back. And I was thinking about it. I was like, wow, like, I have walked around with bad posture my whole life. I've never felt particularly fucking masculine. And like, and I started like just for a couple of days, I started keeping my shoulders back and it actually started making me feel like better about myself and more confident. I'm like, so there is something to these guys and, oh, that's... and smart people. We know like what, uh, I mean, Wesley Yang, who's a, who's a brilliant writer wrote a whole thing where he was basically talking about how Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson like saved my life helped him feel yeah. better so so there it's I don't think that it's <clears throat> bad self-help advice on that level and actually Gorilla Mindset is full of posture advice this is Cernovich's book yeah. Gorilla Mindset which Gorilla <laughs> Mindset is not very different from 12 rules for life it's actually not that incendiary it's actually kind of just corny and boring but it's not <laughs> it's not like offensive yeah I mean parts of it are offensive the gen- but like on the whole it's like sit up straight it's like the same kind of stuff. Yeah. It's not bad advice. Well, but okay, but l- well, and uh, my sense like what's part of what seems valuable is just telling these people who feel shitty about themselves like you matter. You matter enough that I'm going to tell you how like you're redeemable. You like I see that you're more than just a slouchy dude and uh I I like you. I, you could be someone I would like. You know? It's the same thing to me as like I do not think at all that Jordan Peterson is as good at self-help as Kanye is at music. But like if all the world went to Jordan Peterson for was self-help advice, I don't think there's a problem. It's when we go to him and say like how should we restructure our society based right. on how lobster hierarchies work? Like what the <laughs> fuck who decided that because lobsters have inborn gen- gender hierarchies like 
Fortune 500 companies should too. It makes right. no sense. And that that I mean, and I think that's this like slippery slope about so many of these podcasts. Like I, um, I mean, I listen to them partly out of morbid curiosity, but also just like admittedly sometimes they make me feel pumped up. Like before a workout, they yeah. make me feel. They just make me feel good. Also, I think they're designed. I think um, in the in the wake of Me Too, in the wake of Trump's election. Obviously, there are a great deal of white dudes right now who feel like insecure and beat up upon. And these shows, and you know, which very often feature Peterson as a guest, like Peterson's been, I think, on Rogan like six times. Mm -hmm. Like they, the whole idea is like you don't have to feel bad about your like. Here's a space where you can feel decent about yourself, and mm -hmm. like you don't have to feel like you're a bad guy, mm -hmm. you know. And, and a lot of it too. And even me, like I like, there's a sucker part of me that's like, oh, all right, I feel comforted by that. Like, and you know, it's embarrassing. Well, to doesn't admit everyone want to feel that way? <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of also miscommunication where people, um, and I know this because I've met people like this who they see something in BuzzFeed that says like the 21 worst things about white people this month. And they get really offended by it. Like, you're telling me that I'm bad? I see that and I'm like, this is dumb. But I'm not like, they are a, They are saying that white people are worthless. Like, I'm like, this or, is like... Or sometimes it's smart and you're like, yeah, they're deliberately engaging in hyperbole. Yeah, I get right. it. Yeah, right. it's a kind of like, <laughs> yeah. if I see someone on Twitter saying, kill all men, I'm not like, they're coming for me. It's <laughs> right. like, that's like a joke that's not my favorite kind of joke, but I get it. I understand it. And it's like, it's fine. But there are people who, through whatever combination of like not being read into the cultural conversation like this is again this is the kind of thing that if i hadn't done the reporting i might not take as a good faith confusion like i might just take it as an act of trolling like yeah right there are people out there who think that like kill all men is like genocide against men but like i've met people who really think that and they are incorrect i'm not <laughs> denying that but it's just like a lot i i was shocked at how much of this stuff is just miscommunication how how much like your thing you're saying about white men feeling beat up on is genuinely felt because i think a lot of people use that cynically obviously a lot of the leaders of this movement don't feel beat up on in that way but they're just harnessing that energy um but and that goes all the way to the highest levels of politics but um there are people out there who are like i am endangered like i'm really and yeah i don't think that um anyone has good answers for them like I also don't think that the people they're going to for comfort have good answers for them, by the way. Yeah. Like getting pumped up for 10 minutes is yeah. not going to help your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's a fragility issue, right? I mean, so much of, so so many of the people that um, you reported on, like it just, it just struck me like they felt, they felt um, hurt by things that they were reading, you know, and, yeah. felt, and felt scared or threatened on some level. Yeah. And, and look, we all feel... <clears throat> hurt and scared sometimes but i gotta say there were a lot of times when i was like i feel like i'm the most okay person in this room right now yeah. and i know that i'm supposed to be like the beta soy boy whatever but like i feel fine about myself and my sexuality and like how i'm doing in the world and like maybe that's because of like my like entitlement or whatever but like maybe it's just psychological constitutional but it was a weird kind of reversal to be like i'm supposed to be the one that they are making fun of because right uh, but i'm because like supposedly you're insecure and stripped of your manhood and yeah i'm like whatever. i yeah. feel great about yeah. like myself and my position in the world like you uh, you guys are the ones who seem to be suffering well can so, you just speak to that for a second because like when i imagine doing what you did and like like 
if I read like there's certain if I will read like comments on a website, like it really does get my heart rate, like just the animosity. Like I think I am one of those people that like, I don't necessarily feel attacked, but I just, I don't like that much anger, Uh you know, and to be so immersed in it and to come out feeling okay about yourself and not get kind of contaminated by, by that. I'm just wondering like, yeah, if you could speak to that. There's a contamination factor for sure. Like in the sense that, I mean, I had to take in a lot of, I had to like watch a lot of video footage yeah. from Charlottesville, uh, including like of like the woman getting killed. Like yeah. I had to watch a lot of terrible stuff. Now, again, like I have friends who go to Syria and report on ISIS. I have friends. So again, like I'm not a coal miner. I'm not a war reporter. Like, but that's still pretty. It's a lot. Yeah. And I definitely had moments of being like, I don't want to watch any more of this yeah i even had a thing there's like a little tiny motif in the book about harambe the gorilla because that's like ground zero for a lot of kinds of memes like there's a lot of meme culture that's based on that harambe was the gorilla that got shot at the cincinnati zoo right yeah and there was a time when i looked up on youtube to see if you could see him getting shot in his cage and i had to stop watching those videos so like there is stuff that i'm like I, i wish weren't in my brain that is in my brain about being in those rooms with those people though it's like first of all i never felt physically threatened by the alt-light people the alt-right actual like more edging toward the nazi part of the spectrum that was a little more ominous have you been doxxed like does that it wasn't as bad as i thought people would threaten me and like wait till the book comes out. yeah i know and, like people would <laughs> you better get all your shit yeah no totally i mean i people would send me you know dms that were bad and people would try to troll me on you know in public ways and make stuff making fun of me but it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I expected. Because honestly, you, when people found out that you were Jewish, that that's another um, just interesting and kind of funny and crazy part of the book. And it was also, it was in the article, right? About yeah, Mike Enoch. Yes. Um, <clears throat> when they found out that you were Jewish, did you get like the uh, Photoshop picture of your head on a Auschwitz? Yeah, in gas yeah. chambers and stuff. Yeah, 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 and it's not even like, that stuff didn't affect you. It's not like I mean, I'm I'm sort of making it sound like I'm like dead inside and none of that stuff. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't like it, but I wasn't like I don't know. Look, like I feel like I obviously don't want anyone to like come after me, and I like I would definitely find that scary and unpleasant. I don't think they feel like they have any reason to because I think. I am not like engaged in a culture war with them in the way that their targets, first of all, their targets tend to be women. And second of all, their targets tend to be people who they feel like are engaged in a culture war with them that are like trying to go toe to toe with them. I don't feel like, I mean, obviously like you're like documenting, you're telling their story. Yeah. And I am like antagonistic to them in many ways that I'm fully open about. I'm not like, gee, I'm like trying to stay neutral about the Jewish question, but like I am not trying to, meme them in a way that would make them want to meme me like i'm not trying to like engage on that level you know what i mean yeah yeah where did you ever have moments and we we should really get into the uh, advice question um but did you ever have moments where um you got like temporarily sucked into the blue pill or is that the right even phrase red pill their red pill did you ever get temporarily (laughs) not the real exactly like (laughs) the real red pill is oatmeal i mean i know you're (laughs) saying that that you felt for the most part solid secure in your you know manhood and personhood or whatever did you ever have moments where you're like shit like maybe like i am too weak or like maybe i am a little bitch and like these guys and like 
maybe like I'm a wimpy Jew and like these guys, like maybe I should like be more like Cernovich or what? Like, did you ever have moments where you were like kind of because you spent so much time hanging out with these people? And also, it's not like the interactions were always like, like I'm sure some sometimes it was fun. And like some of these people actually come off as even Cernovich comes off as a pretty nice guy, actually. <laughs> nice <laughs> or, guy might be stretching or, it, but or yeah, fun guy, definitely like a fun guy to hang out with. So, did you ever have moments where you just were like, um, yeah, maybe like. I don't know, like there's something appealing about this or were were you always able to be at a remove? I mean, I never had a moment when I was like, I really need to fundamentally. Obviously, like (coughs) I don't sit there just plugging my ears and going, la la la, I'm not listening to what you're saying. There are things that a lot of these people would say that I would hear and be like, oh, that's I mean, like Gavin McInnes has really good taste in music, for example. Mm -hmm. So I would be like. I, it's not like everything he said I would just reject out of hand. Yeah, that seems so hard to, like, yeah, I would yeah. want to reject all Yeah, of he's got great taste. I mean, he was the godfather of hipsterdom. He yeah. knows a lot about fashion and media. And, you know, Cernovich is a smart guy. He's a lawyer. He understands. He reads a lot. Like, so it's not like I, on every level, I'm just with every cell of my being, like, rejecting every syllable these people say. But am I going to reorient my life to not be a whatever wimpy Jew soy boy like that's who I am I don't care I'm (laughs) I'm fine with it I'm not like you got to understand that this is like there this is a cultural identity too that what I my cultural identity is a cultural identity it's not like a lack of I mean maybe it is the difference between being Jewish and being just like garden variety white where you don't feel like you have a cultural identity I don't know I have some white friends non-Jewish white friends who feel that they don't have enough of a cultural identity and that that obviously is a problem and it's a vacuum that bad people can prey upon yeah um but also it would be a problem if your whiteness was your entire identity and like so but i don't know being jewish is a different thing but also in just taking that whole thing out of it and just doing the masculine thing like i don't care what I don't know. Like, I it just, sounds like that's been with you for a long time. Like, not wanting to be, yeah, kind of dude. Anyway. It's fine. And like, I've never been. I mean, really, the last time I cared was when I really wanted to be Sean from Boy Meets World. <laughs> and then when I accepted that I wasn't going to be that guy, it was like, I'm just Corey. Corey yeah. does fine. Corey ends up with Topanga. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> but like, he's doing fine. He has a kid. They go to college during the college years. They have a kid. Like, everyone works out fine. All right, I have one one more question on this, and then I promise we're going to get to the okay. to, to our very important advice segment. Uh, um, listening to a lot of these dude podcasts, right? Um, one thing that has given me pause is the question of violence and the question of like I have a son who's two and a half. He is now for, for a long time he was the most zen chill kid ever and at the playground he would be the kid who had a toy and some dick took his toy and he was some so dick, <laughs> three-year-old yeah exactly <laughs> who i wanted some to kill with my yeah. just choke the life out of <laughs> when i saw him but like my son would always be super chill about it and and to be like okay toys are for, these are public toys <laughs> go ahead yeah. now my son is taking toys from people and has become the aggressor he's that kid and he's become that kid oh, and but 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 you know, and and I see obviously like he's he's starting he's in a violent phase now, and and he 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 pushes kids on the stairs sometimes, like goes out of his way to push kids. I'm like, where does this come from? Whatever. But anyway, this is leading up to like when he's older, 
let's say when he's in um, first grade. I'll give the first first memory I have of being bullied in the schoolyard. Some kid came up to me in first grade. Wow. Just saw, somehow saw that I was a bitch, probably because my shoulders were hunched. <laughs> oh, man. And he came right up to me. And and um, I guess he saw me looking at him or something. He came right up to me and said, don't fuck with me. And he headbutted me in the head. Wait, right? This how is, old was this kid? This kid was like probably a year older than me. I think he was in second he's grade. he's telling you not but, to fuck with him. But, um, but yeah. And and first of all, I was like, that was such a dumb strategy because your head now hurts too. Um, <laughs> I've never but, understood uh, <laughs> the headbutt the head as butt, a move. Yeah. Um, but uh, But I don't know. I just think about like so many of these um, guys particularly on the Rogan podcast are MMA fighters and they do talk about like uh like the, kicking people's asses like there was there was a a guy on la- uh last week who um was a world weightlifting champion and then he had uh he he had a massive heart attack and he had to get a heart transplant he was talking a lot about like recovering from that and how i mean he didn't d- d- specific, he didn't use these words but kind of how the recovery was softening him up in some ways but he he said like, man, it really freaked me out going to a grocery store after the heart surgery because I couldn't do anything physically aggressive. So I was thinking like he was scanning the grocery store and he was like, if somebody fucks with me, like they can just kick my ass now. Like I've always walked around knowing I can kick someone's ass. But anyway, all of this is a long way of saying I wonder like for the first time in my life, I'm wondering if my son is getting bullied in the schoolyard. Um, is it okay to tell him to punch another kid in the face so that they will stop? Because that's the message of all of these dude podcasts, right? That's the baseline. Like, of course, they sh- you should punch a bully in the face. I was uh, I was raised by my soy boy dad to be like, obviously, violence is horrible. Violence begets violence. Don't do it. You know, don't fight back. If you need to, talk to the teacher or whatever. And that's what I always did. But it never made me feel good about myself. I, I felt like, a, you know, a victim. And I wonder sometimes, like, I don't know, like, like, I wonder sometimes, like, is this an area where maybe like the alt-light kind of dudes have a point that like maybe violence, like, you know, in these kind of isolated ways is OK. And like, I don't know. So has there been anything like that that like. Well, yeah, I actually don't think that anybody is consistent about their stance on violence on the right or on the left. I don't think that any, you know, all you have to do is, you know, like there's that Nicholson Baker book, Human Smoke, like all about the pacifist resistance to World War II. And so the way that that was an alternate history just shows like nobody is truly a pacifist. And it seems pretty clear that if Gandhi had had his way, like Hitler would have taken over the world. So like, it's not... I don't think there really is anybody anywhere on a cultural or political spectrum who is consistent about this stuff. The thing that where the, where the question of violence became an issue in the work I was doing for the book was the question of Antifa. Because, like, everyone can agree that, like, Nazi thugs rolling into Charlottesville with automatic weapons, everybody except for those people hates those people. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Mm-hmm. The neocons, like... But the question of what to do in response to that 
is pretty deeply divided. Do you respond to their violence with self-defensive violence? Do you respond to their violence with preemptive violence? Do you respond to their violence with... Now, in that particular case, I don't think you just have a shootout on the streets. Like, that just wouldn't solve anything. And I actually have, like, great admiration for all the people who are holding hands and sort of singing church songs and doing that kind of resistance. That's, like, real, like, 60s front lines resistance. And, like, I am pretty close to just, like, nonviolence is the answer being my, like, political philosophy. That said, there's a difference between nonviolence in the sense of not uh, like initiating aggressive violence and pacifism of just like turning the other cheek no matter what happens. And like when it gets to a scenario like the quote unquote battle of Berkeley or like, you know, the violence that breaks out whenever Richard Spencer tries to speak at a college or whenever Milo tries to speak at a college, I think obviously like the presence of guns heightens and like makes tragic all of these questions. But if you're just talking about fists, like, I don't know that the answer is always to turn the other cheek when like proud boys are trying to beat you up. I don't know that that that's like philosophically or politically smart. Right. I don't think it makes sense to go around like provoking violence unnecessarily. Right. I just don't think it tactically makes sense. But I also the way that we as like by we I just mean like the general like mainstream of society have dealt with the question of antifa violence. I don't think anybody has figured out what to do about that. And I think if 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 the blanket answer is just like Antifa's bad because they sometimes do violent things, I just don't think that gets at the question of like what kind of violence are we talking about? Cuz if it's self-defensive violence it's just a different thing. What yeah. what have you thought about the question of when Gideon is Andrew has a 2-year-old son also. Like when, how to get him into Antifa's <laughs> when he, as possible? Yeah. <laughs> well, when when he when he goes to school, if I haven't if he gotten gets there, in a fight, if yeah, you, I mean, I, I haven't really thought it through either. I but. yeah, and it's not like it's easy to give a flippant answer of like, I, yeah, I I don't think there is a good answer to the question of that kind of bullying. Yeah, I again like going back to my theme of just kind of living a, a sheltered life. I've gotten into a couple of fights in my life, but they weren't defining moments. What was more defining moments was like using my wits and my words to get out of situations like that. So again, that's like, I've been lucky in that sense. I mean, I do think about, you know, living in New York City, I think about what would I do if somebody like mugged me or whatever. And I just don't think there's a good answer. Like, I don't think the answer is if I were really good at headbutting people, <laughs> I would be able to get out of being shot on the street. Like, that's not an yeah. answer. There's, I mean, it seems like a myth to, like, you're never going to protect yourself all the time. Yeah. Like, that guy in the grocery store could still get shot. Right. It doesn't right. matter. And this is why, honestly, I don't listen to all the episodes of Joe Rogan because I'm just not that interested in how fighters. Like, I think being a good fighter is, is cool. Like, being a good accordion player is cool. Like, being a good anything is cool. But I just don't see it as this primal, like, this is the only mystery we need to unlock to understand the universe. And, and, and I mean, they often say, like, you'll never know what yeah. kind of a man you are unless you know if you can kick someone's ass. Yeah, I'm like, so, you'll never know what kind of a man you are if you don't know how to write a good fucking email. Right. Or play the accordion. Yeah. All right, let's good, get to our advice question. Segue, actually, let's do it. I, I got. I should take a pit stop. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah. yeah. Go, go, go for it. Go for it. <clears throat> we'll we'll use this time to run our uh, Patreon pitch. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, let's practice that actually. Wanna, so, um, do a quickie. Try a try a real quick, un, like under thirty seconds. Okay. So, if you like what you're hearing, um, 
there's a really simple, quick way that you can help us out, uh, which is to go to patreon.com slash heyman uh, and heyman pod heyman pod and uh, and chip in five bucks. And that will really make sure that the show continues. We have a lot of interesting guests lined up over the next couple months, and um, we're going to keep bringing you good conversations. So please do your part to help out. And uh, thank you. I'm going to try this one, which is, okay. uh, if you like this show, thank you, and we're very appreciative. And if you want to give extra to this show, we also want to give extra to you, right? And five bucks a month would make a huge difference at our uh, Patreon page. And if you do that, uh, there are lots of cool extra things that uh, we will give in return to show our gratitude, like extra episodes and... Um, personalized thank yous and maybe even the opportunity at some point to uh lend some of your own advice to the show so stay tuned for that um and thanks i'm gonna try a crazy one um if you don't like this show fuck you (laughs) (laughs) but if you do like the show you can help us out i guess I'm just kidding. If you don't like the show, um, you can continue to hate listen. Yeah. And you could even hate donate $5 a month through Patreon. Yeah, that would feel so good to just see us doing better and hate that so much. Uh, But if you do like the show, um, you can also uh, match the haters by donating uh, five bucks um, a month. And um, it's, uh, you know, think about... uh, donating to your NPR station. You don't have to do it and NPR will still come on the next morning. And, you know, we will, we will probably do this show even if we're starving and have to sell all of our clothes (laughs) uh, because it means that much to us. But, um, but you know, just being the kind of person that gives to the stuff that supports the stuff that, um, you value feels good. So be one of those guys and, uh, or gals or gals. Um, as an aside, I think I was reading something about setting that up. Yeah. And I think if there's like an exercise that we should go through okay. about like what, because it's, they have this idea of like <laughs> value for value. Like, you know, people just listen and they're not going to pay, but like, we're going to give you extra and like, mm-hmm. they'll give us extra. Yeah. And like really being able to make the case, like this okay. is what the value is for. And okay. then I think our pitches will be tighter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, like parallel i almost feel like there's a version of this podcast that is like a it's just like a joe rogan critique podcast like (laughs) in the way that there's like game of thrones podcasts yeah i will say though just before we get to the advice you're a big joe rogan fan well the thing i appreciate about it is that um is that it's not journalism Mm -hmm. it's it's it it, it's a platform Mm -hmm. it it is a platform so Mm -hmm. so he he does sort of cavalierly um, platform yeah. insidious people yeah. with horrible thoughts. He also platforms like interesting people totally. with really interesting thoughts. And what I like about it is just that um, uh, it it's so long that um, in the course of listening, like to somebody talk for that long, you get you just get stuff that you don't get from reading a profile, even a profile yeah. in the New Yorker totally. sometimes. Yeah. So it's a valuable, even though I think you're you're on point about, and I, I mean I feel the same way. I think I think when he has someone as 
dangerous as Alex Jones on who is making the Newtown parents' lives a living hell. It's not a huge moral ask for Rogan to like think more critically about that. You know what I mean? He could still do the show, which I, again, I think the reason it's a good show is it's, is is because it's not antagonistic and it just allows people to talk. It's It's also the thing about it, which is not, doesn't have like a political valence really, but it's just like, I think it's the blessing and curse of that show. And I also think that it's, I've been thinking about it while we've been talking, which is if you're too similar to your guests, you gain a lot in terms of easy access to resonance and, Mm -hmm. But you also lose that friction. Like mm-hmm. I've been the whole time. I've been like, we're agreeing on way too much stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, like we just Good are point. the same Good point. person. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. But like, um, and I think Rogan has that problem too, where someone will be like, the progressive cultural Marxist left is destroying humanity, and he'll be like, yep. Like right. that's not. You want more right. friction there, but then it it opens up all these other cool avenues of being able to be like nerding out about right. how termites work for forty five minutes. Down, yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, you gain a lot from I mean that. in a way it's kind of like a therapist where like you know yeah. therapists aren't like contradicting you or like they're, right. they're often just getting you to talk more, I think about it know? as an improv yeah. thing that whole rule yeah. of yes right. and yeah, yeah. Yeah. when I I like took improv classes before because I am every part of the stereotype of what I am and I <laughs> and the uh, the rule about yes and is not to say the word yes it's to be in the scene in a way that yeah to be in the scene in a way that facilitates the other person doing what they were going to do which often happens before the words you say it's like the character you choose to be right because often like the rookie mistake i remember a very early impression i think about this all the time when i walk around new york city seeing how many people are paired up who are are super similar like all it's because often when you see rookie improvisers go into a scene someone will they'll be like i'm like this guy raking leaves and then they'll be like I am a bank teller who's mad at you for raking leaves. And it's like, no, no, just be two guys raking leaves. Right, right, right. That's what you actually see in the world yeah. is two guys who are the same kind of person right. being with each other and more interesting stuff comes from that. Yeah. Like that's, I think, the great strength of Joe Rogan's show is that there's, it's just two guys being the same guy right. in a room with slight variations that yields much more interesting stuff than, you know. Yeah. It's two guys drinking CBD whey protein <laughs> for five uh, hours. Yeah. All right. Let's, All right, hear let's the get to this. Yeah. So before I read it, the, the basically the way we do this, which is helpful for you know all of our listeners or new listeners, um, is uh, I'm going to read the question and then we will like just talk it through and like it's less about the advice and more like what we're hearing the themes in the question and mm-hmm. and what we make of it and. In that way, we'll probably arrive at some advice for this person. We'll try to save if we have any killer advice. We'll we usually summarize that, that like yeah. yeah at the end. The killer, yeah, yeah. Hey man, I find myself in a confusing and uncomfortable situation, and I don't know what to do. I recently moved to New York from Maine, where I grew up and went to college, and I've been living with the same group of guys for about nine months. I like them all, and I feel a bit of pressure to fit in. I'm not a typical bro, but I know how to act that way, and I want everyone to like me. Since I've lived there, I've become really good friends with one guy. We hang out one-on-one, and I've had some real honest conversations that feel deeper than the usual bro-y banter that we all engage in as roommates. Lately, though, some something's shifted, and he's been teasing me in front of our other roommates in ways that feel like more than just ball-busting. I'm 5'7", skinny, and I'm almost always the smallest guy in the group. It's something that I've always felt self-conscious about, and he's been teasing me about my size in ways that feel humiliating, especially since it's in front of our roommates and sometimes their girlfriends. 
this also isn't the first time something like this has happened. In high school, some good friends also bullied me in much worse ways, but again, by humiliating me in front of other people. I'm not sure what to do. Am I just being extra sensitive to the situation because of what happened before? Is there legitimately something wrong with me that I'm being targeted again? How should I handle this and what should I do? Signed, Wimpy in Williamsburg. All right, I am actually just going to cut straight to the advice. <laughs> Pull your fucking shoulders back. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, Get so, a spinier lobster shell. <laughs> I, I didn't expect this to match up so well with like what we had just been talking yeah. about. Yeah. But so he, I mean, um, first thing that pops out to me is just that this is a pattern. Yeah, that like he has been the dude who gets shit on at different stages in his life, right? That um, stood out to me too. And I don't think just because you're short, you get. It's also five seven, isn't that short? That's true, actually. Yeah, you're right. Five seven is not that short. But so I was waiting for the like, I've got this really weird birthmark that makes me a freak. It's like it's my funny. Th- my thing is I'm average height. Yeah, <laughs> like I I think we all have our thing. Yeah. that we think makes us horrible, or you know, you can go there. Yeah, you know, and it's like nobody else cares most of the time. Right. But it might. I mean, I don't know. I'm just uh, uh, speculating based on my own past when i used to get kind when i i mean to some degree i still even get um like grouped on by my my group of college friends sometimes Mm -hmm. and i think and and i definitely got um i mean i don't want to make it seem like i was a a victimized bullied kid i was relatively popular and socially successful but i was in the echelon of popular and socially successful kids, I was the one who got shit on mm-hmm. in that group. So mm-hmm. like, and and looking back on it, I mean, I definitely, um, I, I mean, without going too far into it, like I now realize that um, I was clearly making myself a target in some ways. How you know? so? Uh, maybe you don't have to get too into well, it. Well, no, I think I think I was. How did that make you feel? Uh, <laughs> but I think I was being. Um, I don't know. I, I I think I was. I, as listeners can probably tell, I fucking talk a lot, right? <laughs> so I I think I talk a lot when I'm nervous, and I think like um you know so that could have been one factor. Like, here's this kid who talks too much, and also they could sense like oh he he's like an anxious nervous yeah. kid and like sense some weakness there. Maybe you're also was, a very earnest person, and um and um I can be earnest, and you know I mean I have my nasty acerbic uh, side that can come out but i but i allow an earnestness to come in and i mm-hmm. think that is that is a factor that um can sometimes cause lead to be so he doesn't really get into i mean we can only right, speculate why he's but it does i i wonder though like in general when when an adult i mean when a kid is getting bullied it's usually for the stupidest shit like they have a birthmark or you know but you're I, you're getting at something that i feel like we talk more about how shitty it is to be a bully and how mean that is and we don't talk about like the the person who's bullied does often open themselves up in some way to being bullied. Like some people don't get bullied, or someone I, tries to fuck with you and it just doesn't. It rolls work, off, yeah. right? And they and they move on, but they it sticks with the person where it has an impact. And, and yes. there's something about you that's al- that is allowing. That and I will happen. say, like, I mean, so that's def- my motto: blame the victim. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm a good therapist, right? Definitely for me, though. Um, I would say 
it was just the fact that I deeply cared what other people thought exactly. about me at that mm-hmm, age. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know, these kids could probably sense that I deeply cared about what other people thought about. Yeah. Otherwise it's not fun. The yeah. thing I thought about this all the time when I was a kid, because my whole portrait of myself as like impervious to like being like trolled by alpha males. Yeah. That only locked in as an adult. As a kid, I was like a fat kid who got bullied all the time. Mm. And I used to study, because it's exactly what you're saying, there were fat kids who didn't get bullied. I was like, how do they pull it off? And I think I must have eventually figured this out. I know the answer now, which is they didn't care. They were just who they were. Mm -hmm. They were like, yeah, I'm the fat kid. It's a a physical fact about me. And just, you can tell me I'm fat and I just don't care. It's like... Look at how cool like fat rappers are. They're like, yeah, right. fat is in my name. Like, go ahead, sell, <laughs> tell me I'm fat. Yeah, that's my name. Yeah, I don't care. Like, so, but as a kid, I could not. I was not okay with who I was. So I was not, and so I would right. let it get to me every time. And then you just create more of a. I don't know how you. Although I guess because this is an advice thing, I don't know how you get out of that. If you don't want to be, I mean, this guy's saying he doesn't want to be slightly less than average height and skinny or whatever his thing is sorry uh, that's your thing i mean you could you could work on the skinny part you can't work on the height part but like it's okay i mean i guess the real i think with so many like heterosexual male things the real underlying thing is you're not like sexually desirable enough that's always the thing like you, you know that's the undercurrent of every kind of male to male straight guy bullying but it's like guys telling it like it's not like he's hearing this from women it's, right right it's, it's in front of insulting women insulting him right and humiliating him in front of women yeah who are other people's girlfriends who is ostensibly not trying to get with anyway yeah the, i mean it feels very yeah th- this guy like it feels very primate like totally he's sort of being targeted that and, is actually to get back to your question about w- was there any insight that you did kind of like gravitate toward with the alt light type stuff I don't, I, so the way I answered that was, did you ever like want to try to change the way you lived according to their principles? And the answer to that is no. But the notion, so Cernovich's whole brand is guerrilla mindset because his insight is that a lot of people make decisions based on what I call in the book, brute simian logic (laughs) that like, you can make fun of me by branding myself a gorilla. You can say I'm a big dumb ape or whatever, but like that's work. That's going to work for me more often than it's not. And like, he could have branded himself the nerdy lawyer guy who grew up poor and and made a rags to riches. Like that might have been his self branding in the eighties, but his self branding now is I'm a fucking gorilla. And like, so I never was like I should brand myself as a gorilla, but I was like that is his insight that people respond better to that than they think they will is right i think which is the thing though is it the clarity of saying this is what i am or there's something about being a gorilla that people do respond i think to? that people like if you are like a big guy who yeah. is confident yeah people are gonna respond well to that in ways that are totally unjust sometimes yeah and that like in the way that like it should not be the case that like the male tall person is more likely to be president than the shorter or more female person. Yeah. That's obviously an injustice in our society, but it's also a true fact. Yeah. So like acknowledging that true fact and harnessing it to your advantage is just like an entrepreneurial advantage. Now this guy can't make himself taller than he is, but he can make himself more confident than he is. I don't think that being more confident is the answer to like all your problems in life, but it would help with this it scenario. Helps with a lot of <laughs> yeah. problems. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's where it gets tricky though. 
how do you how the fuck do you confident? become more confident? I mean, honestly, and also how do you become more confident by not just being <clears throat> a dipshit or a douchebag? Right, because or- I think like there's a part of me or like me in middle school would be like, okay, like you should work out, yeah. dude. Yeah. Like yeah. if yeah. you're five seven and skinny, like if you feel better about your body, yeah. then like I mean, honestly, I'm not discounting. Like the, I think that might workout. be kind of true. I want to get back to the question of whether you should work out, <laughs> well, that's uh, but but I think I think um, I think. Like to to this question of like com- being confident doesn't mean being a dick. Like the game, the whole like book. Yeah, I was the thinking game, about that too. Like that is about being a dick. Like yes. it's it's about like negging the woman. Oh like yeah, saying mean things to the woman. Well, there's a huge part yeah. of yeah. my book that is about pickup artistry, and actually yeah. not even the guy. So the game was by this guy Neil Strauss, who was a journalist who did a participatory observer thing, and then got totally and then got sucked in. Yeah, um, which is I think what people are like afraid of when they think of me doing this stuff. Right, <laughs> but um. And then was like going around trying to ghostwrite Alex Jones's book and stuff. Like wow. he got sucked away. I feel in. really like I've heard interviews with him. I feel bad for that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, this stuff, uh, like there's like the people I write about were like the real version of that, not yeah. like the guys who went on MTV with eyeliner and stuff. They were like, and so this is why I'm always cautious to say you should be confident and be a dick and neg mm-hmm. people because it'll make you feel better. It's like, what do we mean by feel better? It would right. also make you feel better to do a bunch of coke and buy a right. Maserati, but like, <laughs> yeah. th- what? Like yeah. maybe for a day, but yeah. that's not a good answer. So, like, becoming an asshole and a misogynist, and like, will it mean that you can pick up women in bars? Yeah, I'm sure it will. But yeah. like, I don't think that what it's you're not actually fill the hole inside. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I've, there are jokes <laughs> I'm not making, but yeah, that's like, I don't think, and like, that seems like a squishy kind of kumbayaish kind of answer. But it goes back to the thing we were saying about hedonism and food. It's yeah. the same thing with hedonism and sex and relationships. You can have the McDonald's version, which is, I want to have sex with a stranger now. Yeah. But it's, I mean, whatever. Like, for some people, that that makes them feel better the next morning. We and do that's live fine. in a world, you can do any of this sure, shit Sure, that's fine. Like, yeah. Right, so get an app and go do that. Yeah. But, like, it's not, um, it, that doesn't answer the question of what, will actually make you fulfilled in a longer right time frame. Yeah. It just doesn't. Maybe it's that, but like it, it for one thing, it's not like necessarily the best kind of hedonism on a like week long basis rather than a day long basis. And the other thing is there are certain moral boundaries that like people shouldn't cross and being like an asshole and hurting people is one of them. Right, like manipulating women so they'll have sex with you. Literally, the 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 thing there's like all this there's this whole like glossary of like all these specific specific terms of like sexual marketplace value and like ways that the hamster wheel. There's all this terminology in pickup artistry that gets super deep, and it's it's like any other internet nerd subculture. You can just go down a rabbit hole with it. I would advise that you don't. But like one of their terms is the dark triad. And if you really want to pull a lot of women and like make a lot of closes or whatever the fuck their thing is, you should exhibit the dark triad of personality traits. The dark triad is Machiavellianism, narcissism, and psychopathy. And they're like, hey, it works really well, you know? And it's like, uh, I'm sure it does, man. I'm sure it does. But if you've gotten to the point where you're like, in order to get laid, I'm going to become a psychopath, right. something went wrong. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Um, so, but, I, yeah. I guess I was going to, my thought though is like, what is appealing about all of these things is agency, right? Is being able to say like, I'm in control. I mm-hmm. can do something. I'm mm-hmm. going to, that those things all give you, whether mm-hmm. it's working out or, oh, now I do know how to uh, 
get laid, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, okay. So to get back to the to the working out thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I uh, here here's here's one reason why I'm not ruling out he should go work out. Uh, I I don't think that he should work out to get bigger muscles because I, I actually think like if you feel insecure about being short and then you're the yeah. short guy with huge muscles, it's you're still going to feel insecure. Are we still uh, doing the Joe Rogan critique <laughs> podcast? Yes, or, yes, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I do think I do think like a uh, a a the reason to actually work out is because it's doing something hard and uncomfortable consistently. And when you do something hard and uncomfortable consistently, that is a pretty good formula for confidence Mm -hmm. because you're like, Oh, I proved to myself over and over that I'm okay with doing something hard and uncomfortable. So, and, and meditation is a similar thing. Meditation, um, is extremely, hard and uncomfortable i think for almost everybody who does it um and i think meditation does help build confidence if you do it even though you know it's going to be hard and you're going to fail uh over and over and over again like that's the kind of thing that so 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 i actually think there is an answer to the like how do you get confidence i don't mm-hmm. i don't think you get con- mm-hmm. i don't think you ever get confidence through an epiphany yeah or through an advice book you do not get confidence from even reading a jordan peterson book Mm-hmm. But you might get confidence from reading a Jordan Peterson book and then having that spur you to like become a serious meditator or something. I think yeah. the way you get confidence is through a routine practice and doing this fucking thing over and over and over and but over. But like this again. sense of like expanded capacity that yeah. you can only really get if you dedicate yourself to something. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I think that's the best thing about Jordan Peterson is the idea that like meaning and value come from struggle from carrying a heavy load as he mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. I think that's the thing I agree with him about the most yeah I, I totally me too um so I think I, you should do the advice round as a jeopardy thing where you say <laughs> the answer is work out and meditate and then ask the question <laughs> <laughs> right by the way meditation is something that um uh I partially learned about through talking to Andrew or at least going oh, on a yeah. retreat. Uh I had never been on I've now been on several retreats, but Andrew had gone on a couple of retreats and and uh sort of gave me a sense of what it was like. He was the one that put the idea of going to a retreat uh into my consciousness. And I went on a 7-day retreat. The first retreat I did was 7 days. Wow. Definitely the hardest thing I've ever in, done yeah. in my life. By hardest, far yeah. by far the hardest thing I've yeah. ever done in my life. Mine were 10 days. It was definitely um, the hardest thing. And uh you yeah, you're now you're now better at being a regular meditator than I am, which is great. But that but that um I was totally the same way like with in terms of I don't know if it's confidence but just like faith in your ability to tough it out because mm-hmm. i didn't know how to write a book people were like how are you going to write a book i was like i have no idea but i've done this other thing that i know is harder <laughs> uh-huh uh-huh yeah, yeah that i mean honestly like now i'm i'm in a really like disciplined workout thing there's no way i would have been able to get to that without having done a seven it's true every time i think about like oh this is going to be way too hard i'm like somehow i managed to do a fucking silent retreat for seven days. And the reason why, by the way, it's so crazy, these retreats, I can't even imagine 10 days, but like, uh, you don't (laughs) don't even get to write in your journal. You don't even get to read a book. You don't get to do anything but meditate. That's all you're allowed to do the whole time. I mean, you actually could cheat and then you'd waste your I actually won, so I did two. One of them I cheated and did the journal, but it was actually, I feel like comparing the one I did and the one I didn't, I actually 
would do it again with a journal because otherwise it's just you're trying to hold on. If the idea is to let go of your thoughts, I could just let go of them by putting them out there. And then I was like, I could like burn the journal at the end. I was glad I didn't because I ended up writing an this essay a, about it. Right. This was a big part of the struggle yeah. for me. It was like every time I would have like a thought that I really wanted to hold yeah. on to, I would stress so much yeah. about whether yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah, That yeah. stress was but, what I was trying to get out of. Yeah. But yeah. But, but look, it, like I've never talked about doing a retreat on, on any of our conversations uh, on the podcast, but, but it, 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 I totally recommend it. Even if you don't know anything about meditation, um, and if you've basically barely meditated, I think a retreat is an amazing experience. I've um, only done like a weekend, but you guys are making me want to go for the long, <laughs> the long haul. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a different thing. It's a but, but yes, nothing is scarier than being alone with your own thoughts and not having anyone to share it with for a long time. Okay, anyway, let back, me back so to the question. The thing yeah. that we're really not talking about, though, maybe because we're all soy boys, is because <laughs> is that. Uh, we can talk about building confidence, but this guy's friend is fucking with him. Right. And like, what should he do with that? With well, I think that the thing that Sam started with is that it'll become less fun to fuck with you if you're oh, less if you're fuckable. Just unruffled. With. Yeah. And like, just like, oh, yeah. well, I think that's part of the answer to why didn't the alt right guys and alt light guys go after me more is that it just wasn't that fun for me. It wasn't that fun for them. Sorry. At first, I was really trollable. What when would I first... you do? What would you do though? Like in, in this situation, it's not just like any roommate. This is a guy <laughs> that he also feels close with, which feels seems more complicated. Well, he got into this thing where he called it ball busting. He couldn't tell what was the line between ball busting and real. Yeah. I, I which get feels that. like a lot of male friends. I get that. Yeah. I've been in male spaces where it was like you don't want to go to zero because then you're really an outcast. If nobody is ragging on you at all right, then you're weird. really the weirdo mm-hmm. so if you have these roommates and nobody calls you short ever or whatever yeah it's just like it has like a That's certain kind of good right it's just a certain yeah. tinge to it that he thinks is crossing a line and he i may... do feel like their relationship is not the kind of one where he could sit down and be like i would like to have a serious talk with you yeah, now about really this hurts my feelings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe this, he is, could. I don't this know. is funny like a lot of the questions that we deal with end up coming back to this like ultimate um dilemma of whether you should just like confront your friend it's worrisome and, and we to never me. say you should we, do yeah, that it's worrisome to me that we always land on don't do anything it'll blow over it's okay well actually no often not to get too meta but often what will happen is we'll be like all right do this like um do this like sort of more avoidant uh like either white lie strategy or like just like slipping your way out of the situation strategy rather than direct confrontation then we'll like come back in the other direction and be like, all right, let's like man up here and do the <laughs> let's let's do the hard version, which is the direct confrontation. And then we end up kind of like settling on like, okay, what is like a more direct confrontation that isn't like weird and like autistic and alienating right. um to to do to like because let's let's be real. It would be so weird if there was somebody that you felt close to, one of your male friends who you rag on, and all of a sudden he's like, We need to have a sit down convo. <laughs> about how you trample my feelings you'd be like be like what that i would i would be so weirded out by that that i wouldn't actually like question whether or not i wanted to be that dude's friend to be honest well i mean it would be like this dude is so hypersensitive yeah 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 i've definitely i've had this it wasn't with getting ragged on or whatever but there i've had a couple of i've had a thing where there's something that a male friend is doing that's hurting my feelings where i'm like trying to decide whether to make it a thing or not. Mm-hmm. And I generally do the more avoidant thing like you're yeah. talking about. 
partly because I'm scared and I don't want to have that awkward conversation, but also partly because there there are some kinds of awkward conversations that it's hard to go back from. Even if you survive the half hour of awkwardness, you can never unhave that conversation. So it's like it changes the tenor of the relationship. You know, it's worrisome to me. First of all, I agree. And I'm trying to imagine a situation in which I would also bring it up. And I don't think not to get like super this is the another trope of our conversations which is like gendering it and stuff but like i don't think women worry about like mm. they totally do have those conversations and their relationships do bounce back i think you know like it's it is a little too bad i worry that we're just like perpetuating the same thing of like yeah. just don't uh let it blow over right and i have had i mean i don't even know how gendered it is cuz i've had conversations with female friends conversations with male friends that do get really you know earnest and deep and sort of personal but about them, and it's about fine someone hurting your feelings yeah i have yeah and it's fine mm-hmm. i mean sometimes it's not and you aren't friends anymore but sometimes it's totally fine yeah it's just it depends on the nature of the relationship like yeah i have people who i could sort of have any kind of conversation with you know what i i mean this also makes me think about this like I can have those conversations with people that I've known for a long time right. or feel really close with. And there is like kind of, I'm not sure how you make that transition mm-hmm. in a relationship mm-hmm. to suddenly like, we're going to like talk about my feelings. You hurt them. You know, like, I think you said it. I think it's time. It's time. Just trust in time. And then one day someone has, to I can't imagine it. being like within a six month window of a friendship oh, yeah, and be, be like, intense. I would like you to have a seat. like okay this isn't worth it anymore but yeah six years i mean that's a different thing yeah i I mean i'm trying to think of like what's an example without naming particular friends but like what's what's an example of like the kind of thing that a male friend has done that like hurt you or annoyed you that you then confronted him on because i'm trying to i mean so i had a friend who um is a very go with the flow kind of guy and i love hanging out with him i love talking to him and this is just part of who he is i don't expect that to change but part of what i like about it's great to be a go with the flow person but it also means that i don't feel like he's always prioritizing me like you know when he comes to town he really wants to make time for me and see me and stay with me and you know meet my kid and all that stuff i feel like he's like oh we'll see what happens and i'm like dude you're in town for a week let's pick a day like i'm busy i don't see you all the time like commit a day to me to like hang out with me. That would yeah. make me feel important. And it would mean that we would actually see each other Yeah. rather than like, ah, uh, I don't know. The day kind of got away from me. Like maybe next time I come to town in a year, like that hurts my feelings. Yeah. And so I'm like, do I, he would totally understand and it wouldn't at all. I'm not worried that it would end our relationship. It's just my only hesitation is like, a, do I want to create an hour of awkwardness in both of our lives? And B, do I want to have him then feel, cause he would feel bad. He'd be like, of course, yeah. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Like, I, I just I just am a go with the flow kind of guy. And it's like, how much is it worth it? Or would it even change anything? That, so I have a friend who's the exact same way. And I feel hurt particularly that he doesn't really seem to care about meeting my new kid. I have a new four-month-old. Uh, <clears throat> or really cared about meeting my older kid either. Um, but... But also part of what I appreciate about Which is our- like, just to pause on that, did you care about meeting people's kids before you had kids? Because uh, it hurts my feelings too when people don't make a big deal about the fact that I had a kid. But I'm trying to put myself in a position of like, 
was I organically like desirous of meeting someone else's baby? I I am now because I know what, how cool yeah, babies no, are. No, back then I was far less. Yeah, it dependent on the friend. Yeah, but I, definitely I was far less. Uh, like, I I yeah. I mean, Sasha, my wife, was like much more enthusiastic about the kid meeting yeah. than I was. Yeah. Um, now I'm now I am enthusiastic. Totally, and not just because it's tit for tat. I just like realize how amazing it is. Oh yeah, I would hang out with um, toddlers all yeah. day long if I could. Yeah, <laughs> but uh. But um, but but yeah. So I have this friend who's super go with the flow. Yeah, and he doesn't have kids. Uh, and um, and but what? And also, I feel hurt by him sometimes that um, he can just go through incredibly long periods of time without being in touch. Uh, but I feel torn because I'm like, part of what I like about this dude. Is, is that, that quality is that quality yeah. that he's a go with the flow guy he can drop into my life we can have an amazing time and then like he'll be gone for a while but like it's not it's a low commitment thing or whatever so um but i don't know just just thinking about all this like i'm realizing like uh i i do i do think it's a gendered thing that dudes have a much deeper like fear of awkwardness Mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. in 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 confrontation than um than than women seem to and um like like sasha is really good at just like directly talking to her friends when she feels like they've been like letting her down or like not, not my wife is touched. so good at it to the point where i am like i think that the health of our marriage is because of it <laughs> like the, her ability to do that with me yeah because there's no there's no non-awkwardness marriage that doesn't that's right. not an option yeah so she's just like we're gonna do this and i'm like please let me go to sleep <laughs> like i just would rather she's like it's two in the afternoon i'm like i don't care <laughs> I, uh, uh, but it's like and sometimes i'm right sometimes i'm like this isn't a productive conversation but most of the time if there's something there to be yeah. worked out in a marriage it's like she's right that it should be worked out and she's right about how to do it i guess i i agree with you and it and it makes me think like when you're, you know, the thing that I think a lot of us forget when it comes to our guy friends is like when you're pissed at someone or hurt, like it, it is a pull for the relationship. Like you're saying, like, even if you're mad, like it's going to make us closer if we could figure this out instead of like, like I have friends just like the ones that you two were talking about. And it's like, it kind of trickles away slowly. Like if, if you don't speak up for it, then like, well, then he may never come in to see, you know, and like, and yeah. you'll resent him and stop texting as right. much because he's not trying so hard and right. it just kind of goes away. Right. And it's just so uncomfortable though to imagine saying anything. Yeah. I'm just trying. Uh, so I'm just trying to imagine because, okay. So I actually think like in Andrew's example and my example, like, those are examples where we should just say something to this friend. Like, I really want you to meet Mike. And I think there's a way to say it in a non guilt trippy way. It's like, yo, come on. Man. Like you could even like, there What's could wrong be a, them feeling a, there could be a jocular here. edge to it. Be like, bro, like stop being a fucking flake. You need to meet my seed. Get the fuck over here. You know, like you can do it in a, right. You can do it in a way where you don't have to utter the phrase. You hurt my feelings, uh -huh. you know, but, um, but this guy's situation, the reason why it's, I feel like it's even more awkward. Is well, it's because a new relationship for one. Yeah, it's a new yeah. relationship, and also just the the question of um, like humor and being offended that gets into the whole like snowflake thing mm -hmm. of like 
is he like maybe it is his issue that he's just super easily offended like what's his deal you know and like and you don't want to seem like a, a snowflake to this guy that you really like and want to be a friend with want to be closer friends with like yeah. you don't want to seem like a snowflake so if you are calling him out you are you are playing your hand and admitting on some level that you are a snowflake or, well, or, I mean, or that the, you're offended the yeah. solution that i i don't know if it's the right solution but it's the one that i would probably have implemented if i were in that situation is to just come up with a better comeback Mm-hmm. Like if the if the scenario repeats itself in this Groundhog Day kind of way, yeah. like yeah. he calls you short in front of people, yeah. Yeah. you know the guy. Come up with a better insult, mm-hmm. one that's proportional, not one that's like I read your secret diary and I'm going to humiliate you, but just like <laughs> yeah. I there's a physical thing about you that I can rag on, and like either that will like release your tension because you'll feel cool for a second, yeah, or it will make him get a taste of his own medicine or whatever. I mean, it's like you yeah don't have to just sit there. Just I like kind of I mean I kind of do like like that solution um i mean it is it is in a way akin to punching the bully in the schoolyard mm-hmm, it, yeah. it is playing fire playing mm-hmm. fighting fire with fire but it's not even fire it's like totally fine but for it's people still to call each other names it's right not... right and i think i think and and but if he's gonna play that game he's gonna fail unless he has actual confidence like yeah so first he's got to meditate on a meditation retreat <laughs> and lift yeah, weights yeah, yeah. because <laughs> and while com- you're meditating just think the whole time of the perfect <laughs> of the perfect insult yeah. and then come the, back 10 days the jerk store called they're adding <laughs> you exactly but the problem the problem is even if he comes up with a good zinger if he delivers it in in, in a, a not confident way then he's just gonna con- like he's Look, gonna continue a, to get yeah bored, you know? it's a struggle to you're gonna have to work at it i guess but i mean i guess the only like the best case scenario of that is not that like <laughs> it's not that you know how to deliver one jab and then you don't know how to like yeah. defend yourself after that yeah like the the best case scenario is like the scales fall from the bully's eyes and he goes like oh that that's what it feels like to go a little bit too far yeah uh-huh. and then you're showing rather than telling right that's right, a right. good that's a great point i also just think that we should leave open the uh door to the possibility that like um maybe you uh, have poor taste in wanting to be such good buddies with this guy. Yeah, like if this has happened to you <laughs> twice in your life, like it's possible that like you need to develop this skill and then like the friendship will change mm. and you'll stop getting fucked with. Or like, yeah, you're kind of gravitating towards like these dicks yeah. mm-hmm. and, and you want to find other friendships. I mean, how old is this guy again? I don't know. If He's he in said. his 20s? Um, I, or did yeah. he not? Sounds, say sounds very Because I was yeah. going to say like one one of the great pleasures of being in in my 30s is that like um i just so rarely encounter other dudes my age like giving <laughs> then me it's a weird. hard time yeah. being a dick <laughs> you know like it's so much rarer than it was in my 20s and like way rarer than it was someone coming over to your house with a baby bjorn and being like <laughs> your hair sucks <laughs> <laughs> exactly so like you know but, it's very transparent what's going on <laughs> yeah. yeah so 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 basically uh it gets better. Yeah, uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> you will. You will eventually. You will eventually uh, have fewer uh, friends who do. But look, it's kind of a. It's a slightly red flag that even in, even in the twenties, if there is a dude who is insensitive enough to not just kind of rag on you in private, but to do it in front of other dudes and their girlfriends. Yeah. Like. Yeah. That's a red flag about this guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm you know, he might have a lot of redeeming qualities and like come up try to come up with the zinger with confidence. See if that like cools But also, down. yeah, don't worry about like if I don't know the like 
why does this guy have to be your friend? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. just you can live with him and have him be your roommate yeah. and go find friends somewhere else. I'm yeah. sure there's an app for that too. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, my um, my meditation teacher like talks a lot about like how to deal with difficult people, and you know, I, the 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 preferred first option is to have a mindful approach and to not allow them to um he talks about basically like um cutting the cord so if if there's like if someone turns on a light switch but you cut the cord like the light is not going to turn on mm-hmm. so like somebody can somebody can insult you you do not have to be hurt and angry by the insult yeah. if, if you're good at practicing mindfulness yeah. or whatever but he says like and then at a certain point you know like you can walk away at a certain point. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have to tough it out forever and, yeah. uh, and, de- and try to make it better. Like at a certain point, a good way to deal with difficult people and a, and a humane thing to do for yourself and for them is to leave. And it's humane for them too, because like they need to start getting the fucking picture yeah. that it's not cool to like rag on your 25 year old bro for being <laughs> short, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you're, he, this guy needs to get a clue or he's going to end up friendless himself, you know? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of reminding me of the. Have you ever seen that show, The Other Two? Uh, it's a really good show. It's on, oh, about the, the about the Justin Bieber kid. Yeah, I've, I've seen the ads, but yeah, oh it's yeah, really oh, it's, good. It's recent, right? Yeah, it's, it's two good. siblings. The other two is the other two siblings of the teenage heartthrob yeah. pop star. They're the older brother and sister, and the older brother has a crush on his straight roommate. Uh huh. But his straight roommate also kind of just decides to make out with him sometimes <laughs> so it's a great it's like a really good b plot in this show but it's all these things where this guy is so much cooler than his meathead roommate who he just like physically finds attractive so he keeps hanging out with his dumb roommate and his dumb friends and trying to appease their dumb sensibilities when he is cooler like i don't know this guy i don't yeah. know if he's cooler than his roommates or not but like what the what this guy in the show should really be doing is making friends with people who he's actually friends with right Right. Uh, and he's and in the show you understand why he's hanging around because he like wants to have sex with this guy. The this I don't yeah, w- understand no, what what's yeah, in it for you. Yeah. My um my like Bible for that is the uh uh like penultimate episode of Freaks and Geeks, um which I watched so many times as I was writing my book for inspiration. But um, it's good but, for the like for the Boy Meets World, my so-called life vein of like yeah, it's it gets better kind of television. Totally, and and I mean the best. I think this is like one of the greatest episodes in TV history. But Daniel Desario, who's played by James Franco, who's like the cool kid, badass whatever guy, gets like in trouble and he's forced to go hang out with the geeks who all work in the AV room, like setting up the audiovisual mm-hmm. equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Breakfast Club. And yeah, and he realizes that he actually like kind of likes them way better than his cool friends. Yeah. And um they like want like the most socially awkward of the geeks, this really fat, smelly kid, is like, hey, like we're doing D D this Friday and we're gonna like have some cans of soda and some like sweet snacks. Do you want to come over? And like the other geeks are like, Oh God, I can't believe you just did that. But he's like, sure. And like, he goes over and has like the best night of his entire life. Yeah. And I just, I just love that. that. that Ultimate nerd porn. Like totally. I could get James Franco. (laughs) Totally. totally. But, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, at a certain point, um, find your your geek friends, you know, find your short friends. No, Um, but you know, I mean, and 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 also like you know, just I, I like the idea of 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 uh, of trying to 
to push back with, with your wits. Because it's also just that will be a good indicator of like the kind of dude this guy totally. is. Can you um, pick uh, up on it or not? Yeah. You're, that's yeah if your... he just headbutts you in response, then like you should <laughs> right. find a new apartment. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right, everyone. That's it for our show this week. If you have a question, you can send it to us at heymanpod at gmail.com or better yet, give us a call. Leave a voicemail at 917-426-4326. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at heymanpod. And if you have a second, leave us a review, please. Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts.